But the more I've thought about it, the more I believe that the end of the material world is not just a one-time historical or chronological event way off or not so far off in the future. The end of the world is more about how we see the world on a daily basis. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 154. Today's topic, when is the end of the world coming? You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you're here today listening. We're going to talk about a pretty heavy-duty topic today, the end of the world. Ever since I got really serious about my faith about 50 years ago, there's been this recurring theme that I hear about from my Christian friends, and it's especially prevalent today. It's this deeply held conviction that Jesus is coming back very soon, any day now, which will trigger the other thing I hear about over and over, that the end of the world is coming, that we're in the end times, as people like to call it. There are so many books and sermons, Bible studies and podcasts, online discussions and debates, lots of debates and every possible forum you can imagine, promoting an incredibly wide range of opinions about how and when the end of the world will come. Do you remember about 11 or 12 years ago, a fellow named Harold Camping predicted with great fanfare, high expectation, and amazing confidence that May 21st, 2011, would be the beginning of the end. Jesus would return, the rapture would take the faithful to heaven, and soon the world would be destroyed with earthquakes and all kinds of horror. He took out full-page ads in large city newspapers and had billboards warning people of this impending doom. I kind of got curious about what he had to say, and I actually watched one of his videos. And giving him the benefit of the doubt, I think he really was sincerely convinced he was right. He had all kinds of charts, timetables, dates, and calculations that convinced him he was on the right track. A lot of people scoffed at him. Some Christians shook their heads in embarrassment. Others denounced him. Probably most people didn't take him too seriously and probably gave the whole affair little attention. But remarkably, some people actually believed him. He was a very sincere fellow, earnestly preaching what he thought was true. He honestly believed his interpretation of the Bible's prophecies. 
but obviously his calculations were not accurate. Jesus did not return on May 22, 2011. So, Harold Camping then revised the date to October 21, 2011. But that day came and went with no Jesus and no end of the world. Interestingly enough, he had made the same prediction for some time in 1994, also with several revisions of dates. Can you imagine how humiliating and humbling this must have felt? But the more I think about it, he must have also been devastated and deeply disappointed that what he believed so earnestly did not take place the way he thought it would. According to Wikipedia, he later privately admitted that he had been wrong to make such a prediction. Harold Camping was not the first and probably will not be the last person to try to calculate when what they think of as the second coming of Jesus and the end of the world will occur. It's really kind of sad this earnest and dedicated student of the Bible spent decades of his life chasing this theological, eschatological rabbit. Eschatology, by the way, is the study of the end times. It's a pretty big deal with a lot of churches. And I would just like to say, as an aside, that for those who are expecting the end of the world any day now, and who also insist that the Bible must be taken literally, there is no way the world could end anytime soon. God promises in the second commandment that he will show love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's Exodus 26. How long is a thousand generations? Have you ever done the math? Well, let's say a generation is 30 years. A thousand generations, that's 30,000 years. Moses, to whom God gave the Ten Commandments, lived only about 3,300 years ago. We've got a lot more time to pass before we reach the 1,000 generations God's going to express love to for obeying his commandments. Now, not all Bible scholars believe that this is a literal number, but if you take the Bible literally, you've got to recalculate when the end of the world could be. I can only wonder about all the other self-appointed prophets today that prophesy about the end times or any number of other issues in the name of God. They may sincerely believe God has revealed things to them. Then they try to convince others. But just because someone makes some grand prediction about the future or how Bible prophecy will be fulfilled is no guarantee they are correct. I love this verse from Deuteronomy 18.22. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. There was quite a problem with false prophets in the Old Testament, and we obviously still have this problem today. God has this to say about false prophets in Jeremiah 14, 14. Then the Lord said, These prophets are telling lies in my name. I did not send them or tell them to speak. I did not give them any messages. They prophesy of visions and revelations they have never seen or heard. 
they speak foolishness made up in their own lying hearts. Be careful who you listen to. And that includes me. Just because I say something about what the Bible says, please do not take my word for it. Go do your own Bible research. Pray about it. Ask God for guidance. Listen for His voice, not the voice of people, to tell you what the Bible is saying. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't share our inspiration and can get insights from talking to people. We just always need to go directly to God for the final word. Jesus really sets the standard for this when he approved of Peter's answer to who Jesus was. Jesus pointed out that no person had told Peter Jesus was the Christ. It was a revelation from God. This is Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus replied to Peter, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, that Jesus was the Messiah. You did not learn this from any human being. I'll say it again. Don't take any person's word that God has revealed something to them unless you see the signs of the prophecy being fulfilled. And if you feel God has revealed something to you, be careful and prayerful in your efforts to convince others you're right. If God has truly revealed something to you, God and not your human will will find a way for you to share it with others. Let's come back to this idea about the end of the world. I've been thinking about this on and off for years, actually. One thing I've realized is that it's important to go back to the original Greek word for world when it's used in this phrase, in the end of the world, in some translations of the Bible. For example, in the parable of the tares and the wheat, Jesus explains, this is Matthew thirteen thirty-nine: the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. The Greek word for world is ion. In English, it's spelled A-I-O-N. It has the sense of an era or a specific time period. It's talking about the end of an era, the end of this age, the end of the world as we currently know it, you might say. Physical scientists predict all sorts of possibilities for the end of the earth. In so many millions or billions of years, the sun will expand and consume the planet, or a giant asteroid could destroy us. Others think man-induced climate change will destroy our planetary home. So, I don't disagree that at some point this material world will come to an end. How that will happen is way beyond my prophetic skills. But the more I've thought about it, the more I believe that the end of the material world is not just a one-time historical or chronological event way off or not so far off in the future. The end of the world is more about how we see the world on a daily basis. To the degree there is a spiritualization of the way we perceive the world, the world will appear less and less material. The material world ends or disappears or appears less material bit by bit as our awareness increases of the absolute supremacy of God 
and His already present spiritual kingdom, glory, and power. Now, I know that's a pretty bold statement, and you can disagree with it if you want to. But think of this verse from the book of Revelation for just a minute. John writes, this is Revelation 21, 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. John of Patmos was still here on earth, but could see the end of the first heaven and earth and the dawning of a new heaven and earth. He saw the material world as passed away, which is kind of odd in one sense because he was still in it, right? Or was he? Was it just a vision he saw of some future event? Or was it what was being revealed to him to his advanced abilities of spiritual perception so that he saw at that moment what was already real and true and what wasn't? If that's the case, are the new heaven and earth real and true right now for us to bear witness to? Now, I have to be completely transparent here. This is not an idea I came up with, but it makes total sense to me the more I study the Bible. One of my favorite Christian authors from over a hundred years ago, Mary Baker Eddy, shared this idea in her book, Science and Health, with Key to the Scriptures. And here again, I'm not trying to convince you that I'm right or that Eddie is right. I'm just sharing how I currently see things. So don't take my word or anyone else's word for it. Go back to the Bible itself and see what God reveals to you. So I'll ask again, are the new heaven and earth real and true right now for us to bear witness to just as John did? God does not finally achieve supremacy at some point in the future. God is supreme now and forever. His kingdom exists now and forever. It's not a place to go in the future. I talk about this idea a lot on the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This kingdom, the supreme reign of God, exists right now. We can open our hearts and lives to it right now. You cannot see it with your material eyeballs or touch it with your fingers or figure it out with the human mind. It's our spiritual senses that must awaken in order to see this present glory. But again, don't take my word for it. Jesus said, Matthew 4.17, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said that almost 2,000 years ago, and it's still true today. God's kingdom is here but we can't see it unless we're born of the Spirit, born anew, born from above. Jesus told Nicodemus, John 3, 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Paul emphasizes this point. He tells us that we need to come out from the material world and be separate. That's in 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Paul also counsels us in Ephesians 4:22-24, put off concerning the former conversation, the former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Every time we put off the old material man with his deeds, 
and put on the new, reborn spiritual man in God's likeness, we are witnessing the end, the ending of the material world. Every time you're led by the Spirit of God instead of sinful ways and means of living, the material world is coming to an end. Now, you may be thinking, hey, James, that sounds great, but the world is just as material as it ever was, and we still live in it, and we still live in our flesh, in case you hadn't noticed. But do we really still live in the flesh? Where do we actually live? Paul states flatly, this is Romans 8, 9, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. He told the Athenians, this is Acts 17, verse 28, For in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. Paul does not use the future tense with these verbs. He says that we are in the realm of the Spirit, and we are not in the realm of the flesh. That's present tense. That we live in God and move and have our being in God now. If it was true in the present tense then, it's true in the present tense today, right here, right now, for us as well. When will we quit living in the material world? We have been taught it will happen after we die, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus was talking to God. He was in a deep state of prayer. This is John 17, 3, and he says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Again, this is in the present tense. Jesus did not say eternal life will be in the future when we know God, but right now. So the question is, when will we be more consciously present in the spiritual realm of God's kingdom here on earth? Well, it happens one step of faith at a time, one spiritual insight at a time, one action in obedience to God at a time, one victory over sin at a time. Every time you turn away from the world's way of doing things and follow God's will, the material world is coming to an end. Every time you respond with God's love instead of fear, greed, hatred, or revenge, the material world is coming to an end. Every time you battle with temptation and are victorious, the material world is coming to an end. And every time others have spiritual victories in their lives, the material world is coming to an end. Or maybe to put it another way, you're just seeing more clearly, as John did on the island of Patmos, that the material world, the first heaven and first earth as he calls it, does not have the substance, prestige, or power we have been conditioned to believe. When that final trumpet referred to in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, sounds the victory over all evil, the material world will be no more. John has already borne witness of this, and you and I can begin to bear witness to its ending. But it's not for you or me or any man or woman to predict 
when that final moment takes place in human history. It's not an event we need to attach a date and time to. Harold Camping and many others had to learn the truth of what Jesus said about the end of this era and his appearing. This is Mark 13:32. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, referring to himself, but only the Father. If even Jesus doesn't know the time and the date, we shouldn't waste our time trying to figure it out. When Jesus' disciples asked him about certain future events, he said to them, this is Acts 1, 7 and 8, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We don't need to figure out God's timetable for the end of the world. What we need to do is bear witness to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And as we do, we'll bear witness to the new heaven and new earth, right where there is no more old earth or heaven to bear witness to. The end of the world is today and every day that we obey the first commandment that we put God and the things of the Spirit first and foremost in our lives. The end of the material world is today and every day that we follow Christ and imbibe his mindset that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The more we do this, the more we'll see the end of the material world. The less material it will appear because the lens we're looking through is more spiritual. And the more we'll see of God's kingdom already come here and now. Don't believe what the world and the people in it tell you. Open your eyes, your spiritual eyes, and bear witness to what already exists, and that God is revealing to you this very day that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in and listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and have a conversation with someone based on the ideas in this episode and let me know how it goes. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, thank you so much for being here. If you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast on my website, I encourage you to do so. Just go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form and you're all set. As a special thank you for signing up, I'll send you a prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode or anything in the Bible, I would love to hear from you. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the Contact tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form, and I'll be in touch. As always, the Bible references mentioned in today's episode, and there were a lot of them today, will be in the show notes on the website. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 154. This is episode 154. And if you're listening on a podcast app, I'll have that link in the description. Thanks again for being here. I'm so grateful for all the many ways you've been supportive of the podcast. It's helping people all over the world 
learn to let the Bible speak directly to them. Again, thank you so much. That's it for today. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.